Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I'm here to tell you today that I hope today is a fabulous one for you, because I know only too well that all days are not good days, and into everyone's life some rain must fall. And when I say that, I say that, you know, sometimes in life, you fall out with people that you never thought you would. And on top of that, you get betrayed by people that you trusted. And sometimes, sometimes you get used by people that you would do anything for. And the moral to this story is that if you focus on the hurt, you will continue to suffer. If you focus on the lesson, you will continue to grow. And you know, my friends, sometimes people will come into your life and they're not meant to stay. They're there to teach you something. And if they are quick to walk away, they are the ones who never intended to stay. If you have one or two close friends that have had your back for years, give them a hug because you love them more than some of the people in your own families. Here's the truth for you, my friends. The saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies, but from those that you thought you were close to. And with that being said, let's slip into darkness and talk about that crazy town of Cincinnati. You know, sometimes people were brokenhearted when they crossed the Ohio River and thought they had left racism behind. Because racism and economic tensions in Cincinnati had it boiling over. And naturally, that led white violence against African Americans a daily thing. And sometimes white mob in the numbers of two to three Hundred led by Irish immigrants invaded the riverfront area where African Americans lived with the, with the intent to drive them all out of the city, thinking that they could have the jobs that the African Americans were finding. And so the mobs burnt homes and assaulted a number of individuals. And of course we fought back. But the attacks persuaded many in our community to evacuate Cincinnati. A lot of our people immigrated to Canada to a community named Wilberforce. And some of us stayed behind in an attempt to rebuild our lives, but experienced further white assaults. The violence in Cincinnati was caused by competition for jobs. That simple. Free blacks and a handful of African-Americans who had escaped slavery in the South came to Cincinnati with the hopes of safety and economic opportunities that they wouldn't find. You see, a surge of migration from 1826 to 1829 swelled the number of African-Americans to about 10% of the city's population. And many of the new people who 
arrived were poor and illiterate and had to construct flimsy shelters along the riverfronts, and they were competing for wage labor jobs with poor whites and especially Irish immigrants. This is where the hate and the violence was born. Cincinnati whites were pissed at the growth of population of the blacks in the city. So check this out. The city leaders invoked the Black Act of 1807. And this was a state law which had been installed to limit African-American migration into Ohio. And it required that new black residents to provide a $500 bond guaranteeing their solvency and economic self-sufficiency. And city leaders were encouraged by the recent Ohio State Supreme Court ruling that supported the use of the so-called black laws. So they did not have to expel African Americans because if you didn't have the $500, you just could not stay in Cincinnati. Local black leaders knew what they were trying to do. It was a white effort to control their population. But African Americans were already moving out of Cincinnati and forming self-governing communities farther west or in Canada. And they sent two black community leaders to buy land and secure permission for a settlement. And they succeeded at both, establishing the Wilberforth Settlement in Ontario. Now, the Cincinnati Daily Gazette, which was the biggest newspaper in Cincinnati, printed a notice warning that the city would rigidly enforce the Black Act of 1807 within 30 days. All black residents must either enter into bond by that time or face expulsion. And the black population got up in arms because they understood that the warning was a threat of mob violence. And a dude by the name of James Charles Brown, a black community leader, appealed for three additional months before enforcement was to begin and placed notice in the Gazette informing the white population of the progress of the Wilberforce immigration. But that didn't mean nothing. Because from August the 15th through the 22nd, white mobs estimated to up to 300 people rioted in the Fourth Ward, where the majority of the city's 2,200 African Americans lived. The mob destroyed businesses, burned residences, and assaulted black residents. And the city police weren't going to get into it. But eventually, both white rioters and black residents were arrested. By the time the smoke cleared, more than half the African-American population left Cincinnati. Riots were a way of life in the 1800s, not just in Cincinnati, but in many urban centers. It was a way of getting people's voices heard because a lot of people couldn't vote. Blacks, women, and some immigrants. Riots were not what we would call race riots today. Because back then, a race riot meant that white people went into the black neighborhood and burned things and killed people. You must understand, racial tensions ran high in Cincinnati before the Civil War. 
because of its proximity to Kentucky, a slave state. And some white residents saw the influx of blacks as jeopardizing the social order, while others perceived it as an economic threat. The presence of black people often posed a threat to white workers. Then whites would often strike out at them because of that threat. Attacks on black neighborhoods or lynching were ways white leaders restored what they perceived as the proper social order. Cincinnati, the Queen City. The African-American population jumped from 620 in 1826 to 2200 in 1829. And mobs formed and assaulted the Negroes whenever they could be attacked with impunity. In 1836, another riot erupted when city leaders banned publishing abolitionist or anti-slave newspapers. A crowd stormed the philanthropist newspaper office, tossing the printing press into the Ohio River, and then marched on the African-American homes on Church Alley. Again, in 1841, whites assembled at the Fifth Street Market and marched on Little Africa on the city's eastern edge, near 6th and Broadway. They were met by armed blacks anticipating the attack. Whites then rolled a cannon into the street and fired three times in the black neighborhood. Police took more than 300 blacks into protective custody during this violence. By the 1840s and 1850s, Cincinnati society became increasingly unstable as German and Irish immigrants poured into the Queen City. You see, by 1851, Cincinnati was the nation's fifth largest city. The Irish and the Blacks were always at each other because they lived together in the poor neighborhood east of downtown, and they competed for the same unskilled riverfront jobs. Cincinnati has always been a city of unrest, even up to the riots of 1967 and 1968 during the Civil Rights Movement. You see, a black man was arrested for loitering near the Abraham Lincoln statue in June of 67, and that exploded into widespread civil unrest, one of more than 100 riots that summer in cities across the country. And they had to call out more than 700 Ohio National Guard officers to restore order. One person was killed, 63 were injured, and 404 people were arrested. After Martin Luther King was shot in April of 1968, Cincinnati once again experienced urban violence. And once again, the Ohio National Guard was summoned. I got to say, the 60s riot left a mark on Cincinnati. More than $3 million in property damage for each riot. Many damaged areas were vacant for decades. The underlying issues, unemployment, housing, and educational opportunities, all of those are still there today. Well, there you have it, my friends. I told you the story of Cincinnati as best I could. And being a, an Ohio boy, I never even knew of these things until I was an adult. 
until I came home to the riots in Akron, Ohio in 1968. And still, I knew nothing about what was going on in Cincinnati. And it wasn't until I started to read that I knew of these things. I encourage you to let your children and grandchildren read as much as they can. And that's not saying that everything they read will be true, but it will make them think and it will make them remember. Because there's a big difference between reading it and having someone tell it to you. My friends, the music tells me that it's once more time for me to get out of here. But before I go, I've got to tell you something that I read on the internet the other day that struck me as truth. And that is history is not there for you to like or dislike. It is there for you to learn from it. And if it offends you even better, because then you are less likely to repeat it. It's not yours to erase because it belongs to all of us. Until next time, my friends, have a good day. And it's been my honor.